Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam Presents. Are we Gundam or are we Isekai? My name is Jeremy. I'm this episode's Blue Oni. I'm Tyler. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm I'm watching Darling in the Bronx. My name is Zach. Yes. And I oh. just got to a point that has a red Oni in it, basically, <laughs> so it made me laugh. I thought it was something like inherent to the quality of my, frankly, pretty mediocre joke. <laughs> no, it was directly related to the fact that, like, well, I guess you could have known that I was currently watching Darling in the Franks, but since you don't actually know anything about Darling in the Franks, nope. Darling in the Franks sure goes off the deep end at the end, but at the same time, they go for it. They swing for those fences, and I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm liking it so far. Like, it's still a little wacky, but... It's got a super good... Like, it really makes you think it's going to be good, is its biggest crime. Its biggest crime is not quite living up to what it could have been. And being like, hey, let's invoke Evangelion and Giren Lagan, and then spectacularly fail to live up to either of those. Well, to be fair, since it was made by the same company yeah. that did Gurren Lagan, and, and, and they started that company after working on Evangelion. It makes sense. It's just Kill a Kill also invokes a lot of Gurren Lagan, but while I prefer Gurren Lagan, not going to say Kill a Kill isn't as good. Have either of you watched Brand New Animal? Never even heard of it. No. It's on Netflix, but it's another trigger anime. Hmm. I, maybe I should. I really want to watch their movie. Promare? I've thought about it. I've seen it at Best Buy a couple of times. The trailers look pretty awesome. I mean, the trailers make it look like a trigger anime, which, you know, I guess is what it is, but that means it looks pretty awesome. Not gonna lie, when I was checking the uh, next season lineup on Crunchyroll, and I saw that there was another season of Azure Lane anime coming, I was a little excited. <laughs> Did you watch the first one? Yeah, I watched the first one. I've got the first one coming in the mail right now. I have to catch up on all my anime. I'm, I think, no, I'm one episode behind on Yasahime. I'm like three behind on Jujutsu Kaisen, and most of the season behind on the other two. Oh, I'm super hyped for the next episode of Yasahime. I'm, I think, an episode behind Jujutsu Kaisen. I kind of fell off watching Warlords of Sigurdrifa. It's a really good sign that we're talking about all the anime we're watching besides Gundam Build Divers. When we are here <laughs> to talk about episode two, Chaotic Ogre, I am disappointed in this episode is a little bit misleading. I thought episode three and two were swapped. I was expecting us to get stuff that's going to be in episode three that I'm actually genuinely excited for, despite not liking Build Divers. Also, all sorts of stuff that was going to be introduced to Tyler in Double O, and I was super looking forward to his reaction to, is just talked about like it's normal Gundam stuff here, which to be fair, at this point it was. Double O was 10 years old when this came out, but... Oh, wow, damn. I keep looking at this image we've got on screen here for Gundamentia. I recognize the RX-78 in the Turn A Gundam. Is that the Strike or yeah, the Freedom? That's the no, Strike that... in the top left. That's the L-Strike. Yeah, and then the, uh, that's what I thought. The wing on the top right, it's in a super awkward pose, but that's the wing. That's the wing? Yeah, the yeah. monster rifle, the wings. Yeah, look at it's that a, rifle. Yeah, it's in a super awkward I can't pose. See the, I can't see the wings real well. No, you can't, but you can see its shoulder, and not a lot of Gundams have those sorts of shoulders. Especially with the, like, circle thing. But really, the rifle is the giveaway. Okay, what's that one in the bottom left? I believe that's the GPO-3 from Stardust Memory, but that one kind of blends together with a bunch of others to me. Okay. But it's got the right color scheme. It also might be one of the ones from Age, but I don't think so, because it doesn't have the right style. 
Okay, I just, like, I was trying to figure out what those two were, because unlike, like I said, the wing is in an awkward pose, and I'm like, I think that, I'm pretty sure, I know what the rest of them are, I mean, the turn A is really freaking easy, that, that mustache. It's distinctive. Also, I wanted to kind of apologize for the quality of the last episode, um, I'm using a different mic now. I got my real mic set up because my audio quality has been real inconsistent when I record with Zach and Tyler. So things should be much, much better going forward. It sound good to me. To my earbread, your word butter is great. And uh, Zach didn't know how to change volume. So sorry about that. <laughs> I did everything I could with it. These are pretty much the exact reasons why we didn't want to finish out Destiny remotely. Yeah, exactly. So, as I said in the description of last episode, build divers will continue until morale improves, or until the vaccine gets properly distributed. Whichever comes first. <laughs> the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> I'm probably going to be opening a brewery before the vaccine gets distributed, so uh, that's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's better than not opening one, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, objectively not, but I, at some point I need to start paying rent, and uh, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot of control over that, so here we are. Well, good luck to Tyler for his adventure. Um, Shall we get into it? Uh, did you guys have anything you wanted to say about this episode beforehand? Not beforehand. All right, so we are watching Gundam Build Divers, episode two, Chaotic Ogre. You can watch along on Crunchyroll or YouTube. YouTube even has the dub if you want to listen with your ears instead of your eyes. And uh, well, and if you have a Funimation oh, subscription, Funimation. you can get one there, too. Yeah. We go right into the opening sequence. No cold open or anything this time. Which, for the second episode, kind of makes sense, but it's not like they didn't do the opening the first time. So I will say, I like the song in this opening. It's got kind of a catchy you know, beat. Is this a different song than the last opening? Because no. it felt like a different song to me. I, I do love how the subtitle that keeps popping up on screen is just music. You know, it's dramatic. Yeah, I, I, like we said last time, the song is pretty catchy. I like it, but the sequence is just very uninspired. Do we even know what this song is called? Oh, I believe it's Divers High. Lyrics and composition by Sky High. Yep, especially after, like, Build Fighters Try, while that's up and down, the second opening to Build Fighters Try, I think, is genuinely really, really good. I'm going to try to stop comparing this to my senpais, Gundam Build Divers and Gundam <laughs> Build Divers Try, but no promises. You were saying about last episode that this entire anime just feels like an advertisement for this MMO. This episode especially, I was feeling that. I'm like, man, I want to go play this awesome MMO. Yeah, it's like, look how cool this MMO is. You get to do all these cool things. And I'm like, can I play? Oh, wait, no, this doesn't exist. They mentioned later, but forces can build towns together. And I'm like super into building some sort of like Gundam defended city state. That sounds awesome. Really, I just want to play uh, Mech Warrior, I think. But <laughs> Well, it depends. There hasn't been a good Mech Warrior game in a long time. Yeah, Mech Warrior is not the thing that I meant to say. I meant the tabletop system that it's based on, and I cannot for the life of me remember the name right now. Battletech? Battletech. There we go, yeah. Well, it depends, because there's Battletech, which is the tabletop war game, or Mech Warrior, which is the RPG. So right out of the opening, we get the title screen, which is pretty much where you would expect it. And we cut to generic middle slash high school. 
Have you noticed that everyone in this classroom looks older than the main characters? A little bit. And we know this is middle school, because I think they said it in the first episode that it was, uh, there were like second years in middle school. Yeah. I like how the first line is, GBN is so much fun and I can't wait to spend all my life there. You guys should really buy that video game. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't exist. And Yuki's like, hey, remember how I took out two machines in the tutorial battle? And Riku's like, oh, man, I only took out one. You know, despite the fact that I got the one that got back up after you and I took out the actual player. Never mind that. I'm not as good as you. And then Yuki's like, hey, we can try a Dynasty Warriors mission, which is actually what they say in the dub, which was incredible to me. I mean, <laughs> that is the most like identifiable name for that kind of idea. I mean, I don't know that a lot of people who haven't really spent a lot of time playing Dynasty Warriors would know would identify Musou properly. Yeah, what is Musou? Musou is what they call that game in Japan. Oh, okay. So Dynasty Warriors Gundam is called Gundam Musou. Yeah, so it's basically gotcha. a horde brawler type of thing. It makes me want to play the Unicorn Full Armor from... Uh, Gundam Musou 3, because that was DLC, so they made it really cool, and its armor strips off as it does attacks, and it gets access to different ones. Oh, that's rad. And Riku's like, yeah, it'll be great. GBN sure is great. And Yuki's like, yeah, but I'm customizing my Gym 3 right now, so I can't use it. So this is to explain that you can log on without a Gundam, if you want. Although, it's weird that he doesn't have a backup at all. Yeah, because we see that uh, Riku has a whole bunch of different ones that he could theoretically use. Also, they make it out like, you can log on without a gunpla, and it acts as like a chat room. And I'm like, that's one hell of expensive chat room. Like, isn't that kind of the point of owning the game is to run around in your Gundam? I mean, a lot of people do that in WoW, where they just like log on to talk to people. Yeah, like hearts are certainly a type of player. I would certainly believe Maggie does that. And that's even like a no prize answer for why his Gundam wasn't in the hangar last week. Is he just logged on without it? Yeah. At the same time, it is kind of weird. Uh, again, I don't want to harp on this point too much, but I really wished that they had to fix their gunpla if they got broken, and that was why Yuki didn't have his right ear. Is because of the legs got messed up in real life? Yeah. I like how Riku's response to that in the subtitles. Oh, wow. But they are cut off by Momika, the only girl at their school. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm going to force you to join the soccer club. That worked great in Jujutsu Kaisen. And they're both like, uh, sorry, we have other hobbies, and she tries to prevent them from running away, and then they just run away by distracting her. By Gundam distracting her. Of like, hey, look, it's a Kara that looks like a cat and a Cobra Gundam. And she's like, what? And then they just run away. Like, I don't know if they're trying to portray this character as an idiot, but they're portraying this character as an idiot. I am looking up cat-like Haros right now, and I'm a little bit disappointed because it's just a Haro with, like, ears. Instead of flaps. What, what would you expect? Yeah, what would you expect? I, something a little bit more cat-like? I don't know. I want, I'm want. i not sure what I wanted, but it's not this. Um, there is also a Hello Kitty Gundam. Well, of uh, course. But what's even better is Haro's filled with cats. <laughs> that appears to be fairly common. Anyway, so they easily distract her. She gets a villainous grin. And then we cut to Riku and... Is it, is it Riku and Yuki? I yep. really want to get those vowels messed up. What would they want to be, R Rucky and Yu Yiko? Yeah, I, I want it to be like Yiku. Uh, I don't know. Rookie? I don't know. At, at this point, Yuki's like, hey, why didn't you use Trans Am in the last fight? And he's like, I don't know. I read on the message boards, if your Gumpla's not built good enough, you can't use Trans Am. You know, thinking about it, that seems kind of broken. Like, why wouldn't everybody just be rocking those? I imagine it's there's some sort of balance, although because of... 
Riku's Gundam is based on the double O. Most people do Rocket in this. Although I think it is implied later that you can't use a Transam and a Zero system or various other power-up systems from other canons. So you kind of have to pick and choose. I think Transam is probably the most just generally usable. Transam also has the drawback. It doesn't really come up in build divers that much of after it expires, you're kind of, you're completely out of gas, basically. Oh, so so it's like an all or nothing. It's like Kaioken. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. I was just thinking about it. It's like, why would you not build one of the double lots? Because Trans Am is so powerful. Like, you're going to wreck anything. I want to know the balance in this. Like, why use, like, a Leo against something else? Like, do you get bonus points or something? That is a good question. I do imagine that you can make a Leo just as good as a Gundam if you give it the right modifier parts, right? And I also assume, in fact, I know because I've seen this series, you can slap a GN drive on any Gundam and then it can transam. I was just wondering about that because, like, the Rommel dude has a... It's a wet on the head. I don't know what the body is, but it's like a generic grunt mobile suit body at the very least. And it's like, that thing is taking on full-fledged Gundams, like, can I get a power balance thing? Can I actually understand a balance? Well, it is incredibly vague. I do like the idea that the better built your Gunpla is, like the more durable it is. Regardless of what type it is. Yeah. Again, that made more sense to me in Build Fighters when the actual model was taking hits, but it's kind of makes sense that you would want to preserve that in this weird MMO. Well, it depends, because if you're making an MMO, you want it to be more accessible to people, so just having it limited or giving people a bonus for buying out of MMO stuff for it doesn't make a lot of sense because then you're going to like very much niche market that. I have to assume that the MMO is made by the people making the model kits. I have to assume they are get- eating both ends of that pie. Or at least there's some agreement there. Yeah, but having it be like giving bonuses to it and limiting that, you're going to have less people buy the MMO and I guarantee it's going to cost a hell of a lot more money to run that MMO with all that proprietary technology than it is to make those Gundam kits. It turns out that this is actually just the equivalent of doing a, like, standard at Gasha game anymore. <laughs> just, like, there are hundreds of these things now, and this is just the Gundam-flavored one. <laughs> so there's a fate one out there somewhere? Yep. <laughs> Where people are buying, you know, models of fate characters. You know, they just go to a little Gachapon machine and get their little Rin, and then they put their little Rin. On the other hand, that game has to be X-rated, right? probably at the very least are anyway yuki's like you should try it out and riku's like yeah maybe i'll try it today it's good a day as any Uh, but meanwhile momoka is stalking them clearly so that she can go hang out and do cool gundam stuff with them to eventually force them into the soccer club no she's just stalking them because she needs to know what they're doing instead so that she can use it as a blackmail to get them to join the uh, soccer club that makes sense So we cut to the Gundam base, and after last week, I did do some more research on this place. And as far as I can tell, aside from the MMO base, everything we see here is in the actual store. There is an actual Gundam cafe. There is a closing store called G-Straight, as we will see at the end. There is a place to build your (laughs) models. They actually have like a little tour where they will show you one of the little like plastic injector molds that they actually use to make the Gunpla. Oh, that's actually pretty cool. I would love to wander around this place Mm -hmm. for an hour or two. I would not want to wander around this place for an hour or two because I'd probably end up walking out with a couple of model kits and I don't even freaking build Gunpla. (laughs) Hey, Zach, just bring real money and not yen and then you won't be able to buy any. Also, there are some perfect raid wing zeros in the background of this shot. 
I was going to point out that this is her advertised model right now is the Wing Zero custom. One day I will build the Wing Zero Christmas custom, but it's not this year. And Nanami says I'm not to be home too late. And I get it. You have to be good role models for your Japanese kids. But even that makes it sound like this is a real game. It just reminds me of like the WoW tooltip that's like, hey, remember to hang out with your friends outside of Azeroth too. <laughs> so I just noticed as they're walking into the bay that all of these bays have headsets except for theirs. I presume they took theirs down because they're getting ready to use them. They're not visible anywhere. <laughs> You're right, but I assume that's the only reason the animators would make that choice, right? It's specifically theirs. Like, if it was two random ones, I'd believe it was a mistake. But then we see them putting them on, so clearly they're somewhere. I just, I cannot get over the terrible English as it's... <laughs> I love it. I legit love it. Please scan your gumpla. I would love it instead of be mildly upset by it. If it had a little, like, avatar of a Haro saying it for you. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> it didn't bother me one way or the other. It just kind of was there. Again, I don't like it as much as in Build Fighters. I think the terrible English there is better. But this is not substantially different. <laughs> I would not have brought it up if you hadn't. I do like that we skip into the actual Yeah, we don't lobby. get the whole lobby thing again. as they're diving in. Mm-hmm. We still get a pretty glorified sequence of them putting on all the gear, though. Even if we don't get the full magical girl transformation. Well, they gotta advertise this MMO, Jeremy. You're right. You're right. It's this show's equivalent of the catapult launch. <laughs> so we cut to Sarah, whose name we will get this episode. Just kind of wandering around the lobby, looking less high, but not not high. Jeremy, I thought you were kidding about her name. Like, I thought <laughs> you were legitimately pulling our leg until this episode where she introduced herself. Nope. I think it's like a Tina Terra thing where the character in Final Fantasy VI that's the weird mage is called Tina in the Japanese version because that's a weird name in Japan. So they changed it to Terra for the English version. Which is slightly weirder in America. Mm-hmm. So she goes, our eye goes, why? And she's like, oh, hey, it's those boys. As they are like debating over what mission to do to test the Trans Am. I mean, it's obviously very important that they go do that. It actually makes a lot of sense because you wouldn't want to test it out in a fight because if you don't know if it's going to work or not, but taking a mission where you can just double check and see if it works, like if it was a guaranteed, yeah, this works all the time type of thing because you're using one of the double lots, then it makes sense to just, yeah, I'll use it when I need it, but since he doesn't know it'll work or not, going in, testing it, making sure beforehand is is a better idea. So I understand that. Anyway, Sarah's like, I found you, faker. I mean, you two guys. <laughs> and they're like, oh, hey, girl. Glad you're not dead since you just vanished. They uh, go about the process of introducing themselves. And then Yuki's like, oh, well, okay. Actually, I forgot that she gives her name first. This is important. Because she seems confused about it. And she's like, I, uh, Sarah, <laughs> maybe? I don't know. That seems good, right? I love how the subtitle has a question mark. And even Rika's like, Sarah, that's your name? Yuki says that they should add them as friends. And it occurs to me that, like, don't they have, like, party history where they could, like, have sent a friend request to her or something? Maybe, maybe not. Well, this also could be, like, the first time they're logging back in, Tyler. And they just kind of forgot to do it yesterday. Well, it's also possible that she never showed up as part of their party because the way this game works is weird. That's fair. I'm assuming this has, like, normal rules, like where if you put someone in guest mode, they're in your party. That's a dumb assumption, Tyler. It is. I know nothing about this fictional video game. Especially because guest mode isn't really a thing in anything else. 
And they're like, yeah, let's all friends up. They haven't even friended each other, so. That's more strange that they didn't immediately do that. Well, they probably weren't thinking about it yesterday. They literally logged in together and just hung out the whole time. And they're like, hey, we should take care of that. So that if we need it for some reason, if one of us is on on their own or something. Also, they're like eight or something. I don't know. And Sarah's like, what? Friends? And Yuki's like, let me explain how friends work in video games. Like in every video game. I do like that they have to make a physical motion to do this, where they just like flick it at each other. And Sarah, of course, because she's a mysterious, actually in the game waif of some sort, is surprised that she can pull up a menu by thinking about it. I don't think you necessarily would have to make the physical actions. I think that's just like would be a natural reaction to moving something, like just tapping it would send it to that person, but. We don't know how VR this is, but even in like modern VR, I feel like this is how a pause menu would work. I was actually going to ask how VR we think this game is, because there's a section later where they're just like wandering around on foot, and like, how immersive is this? Because I'd be totally down to wandering around that forest on foot if there's like some sort of VR thing where I'm like actually walking, but I don't think you are because you're just in like a chair. Is this like during some sort of neural link or something? I don't think they ever really establish or go into that. I think a lot of those games, like, yeah, see, look how this game is immersive and all that, and it's like, that, that's not how video game works. Yeah, I feel like at the very least there must be haptic feedback, right? Because of the way they enjoy riding in the Gundam's arms later in this episode. Yeah. But, like, I also don't think there's any physical walking because they're sat in a chair. And we will see people log in from home in a gaming chair like I'm sitting in right now. And, like, they have the VR set and everything, but they are just in a regular-ass chair. Unless it, like, again, does some sort of, like, wireless brain link or something. I don't know. This show isn't concerned with that concept, I don't think, but... Whereas it's weirdly, in Gundam Build Fighters, they, like, want you to think they're not concerned with it, and then it becomes a plot twist, how it all works. <laughs> so what you're saying is I should go watch Build Fighters instead, no, because, because we'll that sounds way be more doing interesting. doing that for It's a Gundam at some point. Okay. So Riku's like, Hod, that's weird. She doesn't have a Gumpla. And Yuki's like, no, I don't have one either. I like how they're, like, postulating, oh, well, this may be how it's working, while she's right in front of them, where she could, like, answer them, yeah. but they don't bother asking her. Well, she's a wife. I also like how his Gumpless scale is uh, registered, which brings more questions about how this works. Like, if you bring a 1-100, does it, like, scale down to the correct size and it's just more detailed? Or does it look bigger? I like how there's a style... But all of theirs are blank, so I assume that's like a spec. Either that, or I was assuming it might have something to do with, like, the if you're using a specific costume. That's what I was thinking. <clears throat> that could be, too. So you can see, like, oh, I want that outfit. You can see what yeah, it is. Yeah, possible. Yeah. I wish it translated his message here, um, because I bet it says something like, I'm an eight-year-old on GBN. I want to fight and be the very best. So Sarah just is pleased as punch at Friendship. And then Maggie shows up and is like, hi, I'm a regular, too. I'm in the opening and everything. I mean, I do like this dude as a character. He's got the most character of anyone thus far. <laughs> well, that's probably why. I, I love that Sarah's like, thank you, pretty lady. And Maggie is like, oh, my God, you're the best child. And starts petting her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, he starts holding her like a, like a teddy bear. <laughs> okay, so I did notice this when we cut. But look at Sarah's face in this like little zoomed out chippy still. Her eyes are just... <laughs> it's definitely budget-saving, but I actually think it's very cute. It is. Her eyes are just a little bit weird, especially considering there's, like, a, a random NPC in the background whose eyes are, like, level on their head. 
So they go to McDaniel's, a virtual hamburger uh, shop, which I am not even going to get into the implications of. But what I found is that this is not just a McDonald's with the serial numbers filed off. Oh, no. This is a reference to Zeta Gundam, where they ate at McDaniel's, which was McDonald's with the serial numbers filed <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, that's kind of cool, I guess. But this entire, like, I feel like the references kind of grow stale already because it's like, yeah, look at all these things. Like, you're riffing on better series. Yeah. Whereas, like, Build Fighters did them throughout, and then there was one episode that was incredibly reference-heavy, where there were just all these people in cosplay building Gumpla, including Domon building a model of the Dark Gundam with the help of Kiyoshi! <laughs> <laughs> See, that sounds pretty great. Um, That's hilarious. Anyway, Maggie's like, hey, you should do a collect mission. Like, that makes you go all around the map looking all for All the better stuff. for you to go and reference at everything. And he's like, you can go even if you're, like, on your own? And he's like, yeah. And so now they explain forces. They're just guilds. With friends and people you like. <laughs> it's like a platoon or a guild, which is what any other game would call it. Force is not a bad name for a Gundam-flavored guild, I don't think. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I think that's the kind of the case. I mean, force is still a weird word to use for it, if I'm being honest, but I could see it. What would you use? I was going to say something along the lines of faction, but then that didn't seem right. Dynasty. It'd probably just be guild, but... And Maggie's like, yeah, you can go to like, the lakes, the mountains, towns built by people. I even know a place where you can get a picnic. And if you bring back flowers, you clear the mission. That feels like a pretty lame and pathetic mission. To be fair, it's probably a specific reference mission, as we'll find out about the flowers. And probably Maggie chose it specifically because they were hopeless romantic. Also, I feel like I have done 10 of this quest in World of Warcraft in the past week. It reads as incredibly MMO quest to me, especially one for beginners. That's kind of conflict light. I guess. And Maggie's like, anyway, I have plans with my force, so I can't join you. But Sarah's like, yeah, I want to see. Let's do that one. Sweet flowers. I do like the fact that Maggie brings up the idea that he's already got plans to go to like deal with his... Like his guildmates and stuff, because it does reinforce that, yes, he does things other than help out newbies. I'm surprised they don't friend him right now. Yeah, you would think that would make sense. I assume they do that eventually. Also, though, if in the next episode they've done it off screen, are you going to be at all upset? Nope. There's no reason to waste screen time on that, I don't think. Especially after no, we already fair. had like a friend interaction. It's also possible that because they were doing it, they friended him before they got to this point. Yeah. So this is completely random, but because I listen to a lot of my Bim Bam and because Munch Squad comes up, I have a weird knowledge of fast food restaurants and the fact that McDonald's is often fancier outside of the U.S. than it is in the U.S. because that's just what the market demands elsewhere. Everything on the menu board at this McDaniels looks way better than anything I would expect out of McDonald's, and I kind of want to eat that, like excellent like eggs benedict breakfast sandwich they have advertised well, i was gonna say as a huge ass weeb i know a lot about japanese pop-up cafes and i can see fast food having to do really weird gimmicky stuff to compete in japan and a lot of those burgers look kind of gimmicky yep for sure i think one of them is supposed to be like an exploding haro or something but so anyway riku's like how are you guys gonna come with me if neither of you have gunpla to use yeah i don't mind having a girl in my cockpit but i don't want to have to say no homo every five seconds <laughs> And Yuki's like, don't worry, I already thought of this. It actually wouldn't be a big deal to have them all in the cockpit because of how big that room is. We cut straight to Yuki flying in the hand, which actually, I agree with you, Zach, but I feel like Yuki wants to do this. And since Sarah is also doing it, it's a desire. And this is a cool experience you could have in VR. 
I don't actually have a problem do it with him doing this, but it like Riku being like skeptical of wait, could we actually do that? It's like, dude, the cockpit's huge. Like Yeah, but there might be dumb player limits, right? That seems like yep. a thing a Japanese MMO made by Bandai Namco would do. We don't know how guess mode works in this fictional RPG. He's like, you can go faster, Riku. And he's like, yeah, and immediately does a barrel roll. And I do actually think the physical comedy is pretty good here when he just realized they're because not Because he looks down anymore. at his hands. I love how Yuki is like <laughs> freaking out and Sarah's just like completely nonplussed, which does bring up the point of what are the stakes here? Is there fall damage in this game? That's actually one of my notes specifically is, is there fall damage? Given how much Riku is freaking out, my guess would be that there probably is fall damage. But, like, can you damage player avatars and not just Gumpla? I assume Yuki's freaking out because he has a VR helmet on and, you know, vertigo is a thing. And his friend is screaming at him. So, anyway, Riku catches him. It's entirely for the point of a gag. Sarah just seals seems fine, whereas Yuki is quite upset. But then, like, hey, look, references. It's the Sank Kingdom. And I do wonder, is this in the MMO or did somebody model the entire Saint Kingdom and put it in? I can't decide which I think is cooler. They imply at least some of these are probably player-made. I think the Saint Kingdom, because of how big it is, I think that's the two cities that they call out are probably just in the thing because it says they are, even have the SD worlds. I can also imagine very easily the sort of player or guild that what they want to do is recreate models of towns and then yeah, put them in. Yeah, I have in. seen some, like in Minecraft or something. Yeah. And that's like, I can see that being a very cool MMO feature that would attract a sort of audience. I mean, you're probably right. I'm just guessing that because those are two major places that they're probably just in the game because, you know, this is a game for Gundam fans. So having a couple of the main cities missing would probably upset people. Anyway, Arika's like, why map so big? And Yuki's like, for six on six battles, obviously. Let us explain more about this... uh MMO and how it works. I reiterate, this anime is an excellent advertisement for this game that doesn't exist. As they just see a huge battle going on in the forest. Which raises the question I have of, when people are doing this, does that mean that there can be collateral damage? Like, can uh, Riku and his guys get hit by a stray shot from this fight? Or, because they're not involved, would they get damaged by it? This is an excellent question. Like, if they were in free battle mode, would they be able to hit? Because they're on a mission, they're safe? These are great questions that will come up later. So we see some Maganax fighting some gun tanks and gun cannons. Yuki explains why you want to do force battles, which is loot. It's like, yeah, there's special currency you can get. You can only buy some stuff with. And also, the most, like, Japanese video game advertisement line of all time. They say you can't experience anything like it in other forms of play. So try it out. There we get our Patrick Colasar cameo for the episode. And Yuki's like, yeah, but I just read that on the back of the box. And Riku's like, well, that ad worked on me. Let's just do it right now. But then they're like, no, well, we can't do it because we need to have a higher rank. Which, wouldn't his rank have gone up from winning that fight before? Yeah, but by how much, right? That's true. Yeah. If the show is saying this, I'm willing to believe it. It's incredibly arbitrary and it's never going to get explained, but I can buy it. I have no reason to be skeptical about this. And I played actual video games that work that way. And Yuki's like, hey, this is a good empty forest for us to try to Tramzam. And Sarah's like, I'm not a Gundam nerd. What are you doing? And now let me explain Tramzam to you. And he goes into a fairly detailed explanation of how it works. I mean, I feel like we would explain it better. I would go with the explanation Riku gives. 
Yeah, and then Riku's like, you glow red and get stronger for a while. And Sarah's like, oh, okay, that makes so much more sense. But then she's nice and still thanks Yuki for his explanation anyway. Because she's a good girl that gets pet by Maggie? Question mark? Because she's a conscientious person and didn't want him to feel bad. I mean, Yuki did explain it. He just used too many big words. He also didn't explain anything relevant. He basically could have said it's from Gundam Double O, and that would be exactly the same explanation as he gave. <laughs> it's a Gundam thing. <laughs> so Riku does it. The Double O diver starts glowing. It's a Trans Am, if you know what a Trans Am looks like. He's just standing there. And then Sarah, like, it's a premonition in the Force, and it's like, hey, turn it off. It's going to go bad. It's suffering. She can feel the emotions of Gunpla, okay? It's because she's a mysterious waif. And as right after he, he says it, all of his screens start saying danger. And Rika's like, oh, maybe the word danger surrounding me from every angle is bad and turns it off. I like that it pops up in like eight different places with the exact same message. Well, what if you're looking at one of the other cameras? But it doesn't all pop up at once. It's like staggered. You got to make sure that you uh, harass the pilot enough to let them know that you uh, aren't going to miss it. Hey, listen, your gunplay is about to explode. Nuki's like, why did you stop it? And he's like, because the word danger was flying all around me. I feel like it would have braked if I kept going. And Sarah's like, don't use the Trans Am, please. Use something less gimmicky and not from Pontiac. And Riku's like, sure, I don't want to upset a wave. And Yuki's like, oh yeah, remember that mission we were here for? He's like, yeah, I, I, I checked the map, I got Questy, and got the coordinates, and it's pretty close, so we can walk. And that cheers Sarah right up, because she's like, ooh, flowers. And again, this is a great advertisement for this game I'm not playing. Isn't this fun enough? Yeah, like this is full like on montage. You're like, look how much fun we're having. I'm like, please show and don't tell, thanks. We should have brought a lunch. Dude, you're in digital land. You're not eating anything. They did eat at McDonald's, though. <laughs> McDaniels, I'm sorry. It gives you p pilot buffs before you go on a mission, yeah, I assume. Flowers. <laughs> so does that mean that they also have way more effort put into the cooking animation than is absolutely necessary? Yeah, obviously. Are, are you talking about Monster Hunter? Yes. Well, you mentioned buffs being granted by cooking, so that was immediately what I thought of. So they see the weeds, and Yuki's like, yeah, no one watched Victory Gundam, so I better explain this. If I had to explain Gundam Double O, I definitely have to explain Victory Gundam. <laughs> Victory Gundam is the one that's got the really stupid coming apart Gundam, right? You would hate the Victory Gundam, Zach, yes. To be fair, the Victory Gundam made the creator of Gundam so mad he quit. The Victory Gundam did? Amazing. That series specifically. It was right after Sunrise had bought Gundam and they kept making him add more toys and shifting the episode order to sell toys. And he was like, God damn it, what am I even doing? And they're like, yes, now we can make G Gundam now that we kicked him out. He thinks we made toys before. He's not even prepared. So Sarah is flocking in this pretty field, and Yuki's like, hey, we should uh, take a screenshot. That seems like a good idea. Like a memento. I played Animal Crossing recently. It reminded me that you can do that in games. I like how he sets up a camera floating in the field away from them. I mean, that's kind of a neat idea. And a lot of games have been using something similar with photo modes. Yeah, usually it's like a selfie cam, but this makes sense too. I just find it funny that you can see the physical camera floating in midair. And it also lets you know where you want to look, because it's not a third-person camera. And then they take an adorable screenshot that you can use as a wallpaper if you like the show enough to use a wallpaper from this show. No one likes this show that much. So then we cut to them leaving. Sarah is holding the flower like it's a popsicle she got at the fair. And it's kind of <laughs> animated as a popsicle, too. Just the way they put it in there. 
Because it's, it's it's like on a stick and then this big blob of purple. So they're like, yeah, we only needed one for the mission, but like you like them so much, you could have taken more. And she's like, one is enough, which I do feel like is kind of characterizing Sarah, sort of. And Yuki's like, you know, you can just like dump that in your inventory, right? And she's like, I prefer to hold it. I guess if you wanted to flower, it makes more sense to have it in your hands than in an extra dimensional space. You never get to look at it. But then it awkwardly like shifts back to the other two who just smile and then they don't say anything. I'm like, why did we bother transitioning back to them? So they come across a clearing and they're like, hey, it's that asshole from last episode. And another guy. Let's go accost him. It's Redoni and Blue Oni. He's a, like a fat short ogre. He's with the buffest ogre who has a katana. He also has a cleavage window. He has Power Girl's cleavage window in his costume. He has a cleavage window for his pecs. <laughs> I mean, I suppose if you create an avatar that buff, you might as well show it off, right? So I was trying to come up with a name for this band of people, especially if there are more of them. And the best I've got so far is hopefully there's some pasta involved and they can be Mecaroni. They definitely have a name. Do I remember it? No. Cut to straight G, like I said, a real life store where you can buy costumes from Gundam, where Momoka is stalking still, even though she's lost Riku and Yuki. But she knows they're in here somewhere. Okay, this uh, part made me laugh, but... This part is creepy as hell to me. I like where this joke ends up going, but this part where we just see Nanami behind her, salivating over her <laughs> with demon eyes. It's more of the comedic expression type of thing that made me laugh. Then we cut to commercial. No eye catch. Back to the clearing where older guys like, you didn't have to come along. You're customizing your gunplay, so you can't use it right now. But he's like, yeah, brother, but I admire you because you're my big brother, and I wanted to see you trounce some noobs. I did like the fact that instead of just having it like back up on so that we saw them coming out of the clearing again, we basically reverse a little bit in time so we get this conversation and then the main characters appear in the scene. So like that, I think, is decently well done. Hell Ogre, another character much better characterized than our main cast so far. Uh, so anyway, Yuki's like, it's you, you jerk. And I like how he's like, hey, you know those guys? Then she's like, no, I never met them before in my life. And Yuki's like, liar, let me explain the plot of last episode. For everyone lucky enough to have not seen it. And he's like, no, no, brother, senpai. I would never do that. <laughs> they tried to trick me, in fact. The one thing that Riku picks up on is, oh, they're brothers? Riku's a little slow. And so the older brother's like, so you're the ones who called me out here. And they're like, No. We're here for some flowers. Doji agrees with Zack that that's a lame mission. Although I do like this bit of characterization where he's like, who would even bother with that? But at the same time, like his brother immediately is like, oh, so you're beginners in that case. He's like, well, then I have no interest in you. He, he's not as judgy, but he's like, get out of my sight. I can't beat up newbies. That's no fun. Like you said, Jeremy, it's characterization for him. It's doing the very classic move of creating a pair and contrasting them each with each other. You know, we talk about Seed doing it all the time. I don't know why they can't do it with Yuki and Riku, but they're doing it super well with Doji and this guy who we've just met, and Doji was barely anything. So anyway, Zaft shows up. <laughs> I didn't realize those were Zaft uniforms, but they definitely are. And they immediately assume that everyone standing around this guy is allied with him. That was my thought, too. It's like, why do you immediately assume they're on his side? Like, clearly this is a confrontation if you're reading body language in any way, shape, or form. And Telfire Ogre's like, ah, you guys called me out here. 
they're like, yeah, you beat us in a force battle, so we're here for revenge because our other members quit after you demoralized them. They got beat so bad, they just stopped playing this game because they lost to a guy. Maybe Maggie was so worried because everyone who plays this game is a wimp who gets discouraged super easily. After they lose a battle, even though there's no real consequences (laughs) for it. Yeah. Or maybe there are actually consequences, but no one actually knows what they are. Anyway, Ogre's like, enough talk. Let's fight. I don't care why you want to fight me. I just want to fight you. I will feed on your strength. I'm a little crazy, maybe. Yeah, I was going to say, um, one of my notes is uh, this guy is way too into the role playing because he like really plays up that line. Whatever works for you. I mean, uh, he's evidently going hard into the heel role here. This Isaac wannabe is like, I got to honor duel you and take you straight. I have a GNX. I like that he smashes the OK button with his sword. <laughs> and the cancel button. The cancel button is right underneath it. <laughs> he's very accurate. Well, it's because he's slashing down, he hits the OK button first because it's on top. So this is a GNX, Jeremy? That's what his is called. I want to say it's based on the GN4, which is from Double O. It's one of the grunt suits. I believe this is specifically the one from the movie, but I'm not 100% wrong. And his is pretty heavily customized. Uh, It does not have, for example, those swords. You're not 100% (laughs) wrong? That's a new way to phrase that. But that's another way of saying he's not 100% right either. So these guys have doms. They have dom test types. The first time the test type was ever animated is right here. But they're basically just doms. They just got big guns for some reason. So these are originally uh, never animated before? Yep, they're model kits for, like, the, like I said, dom test type. So prototype doms. From the original series? The original. These are not uh, seed. Destiny didn't get nearly as many like offshoot model kids as original Seed did. Uh, they're like, oh, they're going to fight. We should get out of here. And Which they proceed not to do. Yes. Ogre's like, stay out of this doji. He's like, I'm going to have no mercy if you're not worth tasting. Gross. So the doms start retreating and shooting while Ogre charges at them. I love the dumb heat sticks that the doms have. I actually kind of like how all three of them seem to have different melee weapons because the one has, seems to have a sword. The other one has like just that heat rod and the other one has an axe. They also all have different uh, ranged weapons, it looks like. I didn't notice that either. I think two of them have bazookas. Okay. But Ogre is anime dodging all the bullets and attacks that come through him and uh, chops off someone's arm. It's going right for Sarah, so Rika has to summon his gumpla to block it. Again, what are the stakes? What would happen if she got hit? It depends on how integrated with the mysterious waif world she is. Well, sure, but Riku is a dumb boy who has not even considered that she might be anything other than a player. Well, to be fair, I don't think most people would have figured that she was anything other than a player. Yeah, at this point. But I'm saying that even if we, the audience, are expecting those extra stakes, they have not actually been established in any way. Anyway, the dog guys are like, oh, his ally, that must be an ally. Hey, that must be his ally. Or it's just a dude who nearly got squished. Whereas Ogre's like, spank me harder, daddy. I don't even feel it. <laughs> As he does a cool duck a bazooka and kick a guy move. It's always cool when a Gundam kicks a guy. That's generally pretty cool. Like I feel like, because Riku says, stand back when it flashes to him. I figure like the more, like, better way to do this is just grab those two and run. Yeah. Like, this isn't your fight. Why bother? Or invite them into the cockpit. So, like, if they want to watch. Yeah, that too. Although, I guess Riku wanting revenge because they almost hurt Sarah kind of makes sense. Although that's not really his angle at all here. They just start attacking him. He's like, you must be Ogre's allies. And he's like, no, I was literally just standing here. It then turns around into Riku blocking with no animation. He is just suddenly blocking. The sound effects do a decent amount of storytelling there, but 
Yes, it is a pretty harsh cut. The guy says, if you're his ally, we'll take you on too. Which is re- immediately countered with, I'm not his ally. I don't have any stake in this fight. Why are you still attacking me? And to prove it, the Hellfire Ogre comes over and just like shoves Riku's ass onto the ground. Just be like, move, noob, get out the way. <laughs> He's like, oh, he, he built a strong Gumpla. Meanwhile, Armin's cutoff guy is like, I can still move, don't worry. Then he gets grappling handed. I like the timing on that because it's like, can you move? Yeah, I'm good. Grab. Right up into the air. <laughs> I can change that. <laughs> it was really funny. And he's got the little beam spikes from the Age 1 Titus on his shoulder, which he uses to impale this poor Dom. And he's like, more, more, you all suck. I need more. And the other guy's like, ah, oh. it's shaking. He, he pulls up a screen that says, break boost is applied, YN. Oh, okay, break boost. When I looked at it originally, <laughs> I was like, what the hell is break loose? I misread it. Pretty sure it's break boost. I don't, what is break boost? Does this get any explanation beyond this episode? This is going to be the plot for the first half of this show. Okay. Is someone selling illicit gunpla on the market that have this weird game mechanic somehow? Someone selling hacks, basically. Yeah, I was going to say that somehow work in the game. So this guy's like, well, I'm going to lose anyway. I'll press the button now. And we see, I don't know, the circuit boards of the server or something get infected when he does this. I don't know what this is supposed to represent. It would make more sense if the gunpla were built, like if there's special gunpla for this particular game that had these circuits for scanning and stuff in them. Of course, there is also the possibility that he's using a home rig and that's actually on his home computer console. Like I said, we will get details a little bit of how these work. I don't remember all of them. I take that as like a metaphor to show the hacking, like because there would be server side anti-cheat stuff, right? So I see that as it showing it bypassing that. The way I interpret these is they just tell the system that the Gunpla is better built than it actually is. I don't remember the details, so. But it seems to have some negative effect on the... uh gunplay as we'll see eventually so anyway he gets evil energy yeah he goes evil purple syrian and doji's like oh no hellfire calls this a mass diver and then he's like like i didn't even think anyone used those lame cheats everyone's flabbergasted uh sarah gets sick because of her waifness she gets waif this isn't good disease <laughs> riku's concerned for a moment but then other Dom guy attacks him again. And he's like, I told you I'm not his ally. He's like, you keep saying that even though like you totally got hit by him like an ally would. I'm not his ally. I'm going to keep kicking the shit out of him because you clearly must be his ally. That's why he attacked you. Obviously. So purple evil Dom shoots a giant laser blast, which Ogre dodges. Meanwhile, to characterize Ogre more, he hates cheaters. Which he says by this tastes awful. Yeah, this tastes bad. (laughs) Thanks, man. He dodges a mighty axe that explodes the ground so hard that it obscures Riku's vision. And he's like, oh, man, it's much stronger than before. Meanwhile, the Dom has performed a Riku lock on. I mean, I get what it's trying to say. It's trying to say that Riku the player is locked on, but I feel like when you have a game like this, it would give the name of his Gundam, not his player. Yeah, but if multiple people have like the same sort of gunpla, that kind of makes sense to me. Well, I mean, it would still make sense for it to have uh, the name of the Gundam, not the player. Because they still had to ask people their name. Like, it didn't show up. But anyway, both of the remaining Doms are locking onto him at the same time. Well, he can't see because of all the smoke from the axe that was kicked up. So he sees the two beams coming at him and does a Matrix dodge. 
which is very slow-mo and given a lot of time. We see some close-ups on him. Shifting his generators around. He moves the shoulders. Ogre also sees it and is like, oh, he's not a beginner. He's a smurf. They make a big deal out of this. But I looked at it there and I'm like, you know, he could have dodged them just as easily by hitting the deck. Yeah. Uh, it does cause evil purple energy to shoot the other Dom. So he also gets the Spider-Man maneuver of shooting someone else with the thing. Didn't mean to do that. And the evil Dom is like, oh, well, hmm, didn't see that one coming. Oh no, Ogre's foot is coming at me. Though he can block it this time. I do like his, the evil Dom's axe. It looks good, yeah. It looks powerful. It's basically just a heat hawk from a Zaku, but it's a good look. I think it's a bit bigger than a heat hawk. It might be. Ogre's like, your machine's beyond you, and he tries to shoot the gun, but his arm explodes because, I don't know, it took too much tension from the kick of Ogre or something. It is the arm he blocked it with, so that's what I'm going with. Ogre says it seems the gunplow workmanship couldn't handle the power. Which does kind of make sense that you would have to build it sturdier for more power. I kind of like that as a concept. But I mean, it makes sense as a concept, but like you said before, because it's, um, like, the thing isn't taking damage itself, so it's just kind of there? The scan detected that it was inferior workmanship when he logged in, clearly. And, like, I, I keep bringing up Build Fighters, but I assume this is a sequel to it, and that this MMO is trying to recreate that experience, not Gundam as a whole. And in that experience, the, the workmanship was important, so that's why I'm assuming they would want to preserve that. Anyway, Ogre and Riku go after him at the same time. There's a lot of shouting. With an X-Strike! Which is not what they call it, but it's what it's called in basically a video game. As they cut him in three. And then he explodes. Yuki's like, yeah, good job. And Doji's like, yeah, good job. And Riku's like, okay, it's over. No one's going to randomly attack me for no reason, right? But Sarah's like, Riku, watch out! He's attacking you. Yeah, and then he... Then, uh... Ogre gives the line that Jeremy mentioned before. You're no beginner. You're a smurf. <laughs> and Rika's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I need to get rid of this awful taste in my mouth. Let me fight you. Someone who knows what they're doing. And then Riku proceeds to not really know what he's doing. He's like, I have no reason to fight you. And to which the Hellfire Ogre responds, reason? That's like what this game is, man. Why did you get into Gunpla Battle? And this is, I think Zach is about to get at this. Ogre's like, it's because you wanted to get strong and fight, right? Which we know is the reason that Riku wanted to get into Gunpla Battle. We saw it. Um, before they had to specifically log into Free Battle to get into a fight, and they couldn't do that while they were on a mission. They had to abandon the mission. Why can he fight now? Shh. Oh, I was going to bring this up too. I have three no prize. Don't worry answers about for it. You. It's fine. No prize answer one. He was in tutorial mode the first time. So they got him out of tutorial mode to free battle. No prize answer two. Doji could have fought him if he wanted to before, but he would have been worth no rank. And Ogre doesn't care about rank. He just actually wants the experience of the fight. I don't remember what my third one was. I did have a third one. I think third third answer to that question is they really don't care that much about that continuity. Oh, they absolutely don't care that much about that continuity. This game works on whatever is most dramatic right now. I mean, on the one hand, that's one way to do storytelling. On the other hand, I have mentioned being con internally consistent on multiple occasions of stuff. And I don't mind this too much, but they go into so much detail about the mechanics of this game that doesn't exist, like we keep saying. So what's the point if you're not going to use those mechanics for your story? <laughs> yeah, the point of introducing these concepts is so that you have a rule structure for internal consistency, because that way when you break that internal consistency, it means a lot more. If you just 
always never pay attention to your own consistency, it doesn't matter when you break it dramatically. Yeah. I like my ogre answer, but that's all me doing the work. The show did none of that work. So Rika's like, no, I got into it because I just love Gumpla and Gundam and the champion. To be fair, his answer might have changed in two years, but again, we're doing a bunch of explanation for the show. And, and again, you showed us the moment where he decided he wanted to face the champion on a big stage. So like this moral argument like has no weight. In addition to it being, you know, very childish. And to be fair, the Gundam Build series is aimed at even younger kids than Gundam, a show that's already for babies. But they're both wrong in extreme directions, right? I mean, yeah. The main thing that I keep looking at with this shot is he really needs to do something with that offhand because he's not doing anything with it right now. Like, imagine if he had a pistol or something. The actual 00 Gundam has two of those, like, gun swords, so... Speaking of it being a gun sword, while I was watching this fight, I'm like, man, this should have been called the Squall Gundam. <laughs> so anyway, Ogre's like, no, you want to be strong, and I'll use you as food to strengthen me. And Yuande, I'll even devour the champion. And Riku's like, you are a crazy person. What are you talking about? I mean, to be <laughs> fair, I think that's the reaction everybody would have had. The hell are you on about? And Hellfire Ogre's like, RP with me, bro. And he's like, I notice you have GN drives as well. Like, are they just for decoration? Can you not get serious if I don't? And he's like, no one ever said that. What are you talking about? You crazy person. He's like, that's okay. I will indulge you. Trans Am. So he turns on his Trans Am. And his Gundam gets even and gets more even red. redder. And he gets like the visor piece that was on top of his Gundam's head over the eye lenses. Which makes him look more cyclopsy. Kind of more like an ogre, arguably. Mm -hmm. It's a cool transformation. Riku is able to block, but barely. And he's like, come on, you're not taking this seriously. I saw you do a real cool move. I actually really like Riku's like jump away and fire a few shots. That was not bad. But he uh, is completely on the defensive. He gets kicked into the ground. Well, of course, because he's not using the Trans Am and Ogre is. So he's already a better player. And now he's faster, too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he flashed back to Sarah being like, don't do the Trans Am. It'll be bad. And Riku's like, you know what? I'm going to do the Trans Am. Yeah, I don't got a choice. I'm going to get stabbed or I'm going to Trans Am. Uh, Sarah is shocked. In a way, I actually kind of like the fact that he actually uses the Trans Am instead of like just gets out of jail free by doing something else. I like this as a character move, too, because it shows that Ogre is kind of right and Riku doesn't want to lose, right? But it, again, meshes poorly with the rest of the story because Riku's making the argument like, I don't care about that. And if he doesn't care, why not take the hit? Again, the stakes are nothing. If Riku loses, he goes, oh, some asshole player who's really good beat me up. It would, again, going back to what you were saying about build fighters, make a lot more sense if he had to fix his Gundam if it got damaged, which is why he decided to go with Trans Am rather than have to rebuild or repair his gunpla afterwards if he lost. That would also increase the stakes of using the Trans Am and it breaking his Gundam because it can't take it. In this way, he's broken it himself instead of someone else doing it to him, which for some people could be even worse. Or, or if Riku admitted, yeah, I do want to win here, like, and then he did it. He made the choice to win over like taking Sarah's advice. That's also more interesting as a character moment. But like I said, the stakes are nothing. Well, I mean, also it's a video game. The stakes are always nothing. Well, sure. But in Gundam Build Fighters, it's just a dumb sports tournament. The stakes are also nothing there. But good sports stories, the stakes feel way, way higher than bad sci-fi where it's literal life and death. Fair. And Tyler, like in this particular case, you can still have stakes in a game that aren't life or death. Because, like, remember when we were playing, I'm going to go back to Tibia here, when we were playing that, if you died, you lost experience, which meant you lost a level. 
We haven't been presented with anything like that here, but that could be the case of like, if you lose, if your Gundam is destroyed, you lose specific things about it, like rank, parts, whatever the case may be. But I mean, granted, they're too early on anyway to really have anything that would be a big deal losing. Yep. And I think the real problem is these characters have no goals right now, right? Riku has the vague goal of one day I want to be good enough to like play on stage. Well, right? they have the goal right now of turning in this quest, but that has nothing to do with this. Yeah, exactly. Like their big goal right now is to have fun, and like that is not really affected at all by this battle. Yeah, I mean that's pretty normal for everybody. Like I just want to have fun, but. The thing is, that's not really an interesting story because I want to have fun is not a dramatic goal. Yeah, and like you can make it dramatic if like Sarah's had a really bad day and he wants to give her a, like a fun time, right? And Ogre is ruining it. Like you can make that story work. There's a little girl who yeah. doesn't know how to smile and we're putting on a concert exactly. this afternoon. Aries the fucking best, but they haven't even done that. Like Riku, spoiler, does lose this fight, and that doesn't really change the episode from if he had won, I don't think. Anyway. I think it kind of gives him some motivation at the end of this. But He already had motivation from the story perspective, because that's what he wants to do eventually. <sighs> it is good for setting up Ogre as a short-term goal, right? Of, oh, that guy beat me. Now I want to beat that guy. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what happens, right? He gets motivation to be better than that guy who just beat him. But the story has to capitalize on that. Yep. Anyway, Trans Am. So, really quick, we've been paused on this frame where the Double O's sword gun thing is held up. What exactly is the dangerous part of this weapon? I'm not going to say it doesn't look silly in the original Double O. It's a sword, basically, that has a pistol attached to it. But on here, what Tyler's saying is that that doesn't have an edge on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no edge anywhere, so I don't know what he's hitting I with. I wonder if that's to make it look like the high grade, because the high grades will often blunt edges like that, and you have to actually like sand them if you want them to look like edges, or cut them. Also, this one, the the frame here, it makes it look like there's something down the, the top middle. Down the middle of the sword, it looks like there's like a raised part there. Yeah, there is. So, like, that makes it even less like a sword, because if you're trying to hit somebody and slash through with that, it's going to stop right there. Yeah, it doesn't look good in this shot. Won't argue that. So he charges. He gets an attack in, which he hasn't since uh, Ogre first transamped, and now they're going back and forth, mostly dodging a lot of hits on each other's swords, but that's about it. Although, Jeremy, you mentioning that the transam basically puts you out of gas if you use it when it runs out definitely explains why you wouldn't just dip in and out of using the transam. Yeah, I was thinking about using it for, like, temporary speed boosts, if you have, like, an overall, like, meter on well, it or something. Well, that's what I was thinking, too, Tyler, when I first saw this. It was just like, okay, use the Trans Am to get out of the way, and then you start ducking and diving with the Trans Am in bits and pieces. Yeah, and I think the reason we don't really see that is Double O kind of explores that fully and comes to the conclusion that, like, a Gundam that can't do anything isn't interesting. So it's more interesting to have the stake of, I don't want to Trans Am because I don't want to be that than to be in the position where I transamped and have failed. So I think that's just like a narrative bit that Gundam had already kind of fully explored. So they keep fighting. Ogre seems like he still has the upper hand. And Riku's sword breaks, right? Well, Ogre's sword is still intact, and something broke there, so... Uh, yeah, you, you must have destroyed the sword, you're right. Because Riku comes with the dagger. Around behind him. 
and is about to land basically the final blow. I mean, it's a really cool sequence in my personal opinion. It's very similar to Kira dropping the shield, right? He's like, I let you have that. Now I'm in your blind spot. Yeah. And Ogre's just like, what happened? But then we get a close up of one of his GN drives, which explodes. And then he just falls over <laughs> very anticlimactically. It's hilarious. Although I feel like the shot lost its continuity because he was specifically behind Ogre when it blew up. And then it just kind of teleported him around to the front again so that he skids in front of him. Maybe it was on the side. Or Ogre turned around. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. And Ogre's like, ah, oh, how disappointing. I didn't deliver the finishing blow. Like, your gumpel's actually not that well built. Riku gets like a terrified face as Ogre starts to stab at him. But Sarah jumps in front of him, arms spread out, which is a cool shot. But again, what are the stakes to this? What happens if Sarah gets stabbed? How badass is this? How yeah. badass are we supposed to think it is? If you're like me and Tyler and you're familiar with these stories and thinking on a meta level, the stakes for Sarah may be higher than they would be for someone else. But the show hasn't explained any of that. As far as we know, she's just a really bad player. Well, that's a problem when you run into stuff like this, because it's banking on you kind of already understanding how the mysterious waif in one of these shows works, but the show hasn't presented it, so it's just really weird. And why Ogre stops, I don't know. Like, is this a game mechanic stopping him? I don't think it's that. I think he's the sort of person who doesn't want to stab an unarmed person who's not even in a Gumpla. I would believe that too, but I'm just pointing out again, we don't know how the whole system works, so. Yeah, and like I said before, this is a show for babies' babies. I don't think this show assumes you know anything about mysterious video game waves. I think it's assuming that this will be your first time with that sort of story. Well, I mean, it's not just mysterious video game waves, it's the mysterious waif in general. Uh, so anyway, she's like, stop, and Ogre does. Uh, I guess one further thing. Also, what did this save? What was he going to stab anyway? Was was he planning on the stabbing crotch, his obviously. Gundam in the crotch? Right into the cockpit. <laughs> or maybe he was going to take off the legs. I mean, Jeremy's right. Like, what did this save? What did this save and what would have, like, this is supposed to show that, like, Sarah has a strong shonen will, right? And she's willing to put herself out there for her beliefs. But again, she's a character in a video game or a player in a video game, rather. Saving another player in a video game from nebulous video game losses. Yeah. And, you know, I keep harping on it, but if there had to be, like, physical repair time on the double O diver, that would actually be a stake that, like, Sarah would have saved. Or here's the other thing that There's I wanted. There's in-game yeah. repair time, They, they show it in, at, at the end of this, obviously, it's in a couple of minutes, but they show it in, like, a repair dock, and it has a repair clock above it as it's working. Mm -hmm. So it might have an in-game repair time, but the game had, or not the game, sorry, because this is acting so much like it's just a game that I gotta... It's entirely meta. They were too busy explaining to us friends lists and force battles to tell us how that works. But it's possible that there's an in-game repair time attached to damage. But the thing is, they had the perfect opportunity to explain that with Yuki not having access to his Gym 3. They could have, instead of saying, oh, customizing mm -hmm. my Gym 3, instead go with, my Gym 3 is still being fixed. Because also, mm -hmm. I know that that's, a, I, think, I think that's a mechanic in some other games where it's like stuff has to be repaired, or at, at the very least, stamina is a thing. Yeah, a lot of like free-to-play games have that sort of Yeah, where you have mechanic. to, you can pay to have it finish faster. Mm -hmm. So Rika's like, ah, oh, Sarah, thanks. And Ogre's like, mm-hmm. What the hell is with this mysterious waif? She's so mysterious. 
So he untransams, and he's like, well, girl saved you. Let's let's get out of here, Doji. I'm flying away, though. <laughs> Jump real high, Doji. <laughs> and, and him flying away causes the uh, petals on the flower to just be scattered, leaving Sarah with, in a very pretty shot, but leaving her with just a stem. My note on this says, and then the flower explode. I think there's still some at the bottom of the flower, but... Does this count for the quest? This is really important. <laughs> and Yuki's like, you scared me because I don't know the stakes either. And she's like, nah, it's cool. But the double O diver's going to beat up. Yeah, I'm more worried about Riku. His engine blowed up. Apparently it seems to be decently okay, though. Like, it didn't take the arm off. Cut to their little mech bay that we've seen before. Like Zach said, there's a little repair clock in front of the double O diver. And Maggie's like, wow, sounds like a tough time. And Yuki's like, who was that guy? He's like, a Hellfire Ogre? Yeah, I've heard of him. He's like kind of up and coming right now. He's ranked like 70 or something. I don't know. He's like, at any rate, he was too strong for Riku. Like, I would have told you that. And Riku's like, motivation, I guess. I like how he says it was an utter defeat, but like he actually almost pulled it out. It wasn't an utter defeat. Like, he didn't get raffle stomped. And the one thing that we see of them fighting while he's flashing back is actually before they even started fighting. Mm -hmm. The shove. He's like, yeah, he was good and his Gumpler was gooder. He and his Gumpler were both gooder than me. That does make some sense of, like, reinforcing that, but... What is this feeling? Is it Shonen Rivalitis? <laughs> I was gonna say, then he showed in so hard that he feels something. I'm not used to feeling things. I'm such a block of wood. <laughs> anyway, Sarah, thanks for saving me. Sorry I broke the promise uh, about Trans Am. I guess I didn't actually say I promised, but... She's like, it's fine. And he's like, no, it's not fine. I'm going to promise even harder this time. And on top of that, like, like they made a big deal of like promising not to use Trans Am. And then he does. And she's just like, oh, no, that's fine. Well, I think to her, like, she understands the consequences are the same. Like, if he had not used it there, it would have broke his Gundam. Using it broke his Gundam. I'm just saying that that would have made for a point where they could have given some more character to... Her and him. Yeah, character via yeah, conflict. Yeah, with a conflict there. But because they didn't, they just kind of dropped it. I don't think that's that big a deal. Well, it makes that early part with their conversation of promising not to use it kind of pointless in the episode. I mean, it's there to establish the stake, right? So that when the Gundam just breaks out of nowhere, it doesn't come out of nowhere. But they already kind of did that by when he was talking to Yuki about if your Gundam isn't built well enough, you can't use Trans Am. That's true. But this is a show for babies, Zach. They had to show them twice. And also, uh, they have to reiterate the waif's waif powers of sensing the feelings of Gunpla. Digital Gunpla, specifically. Anyway, Riku's like, I'll get better by building a better model or something. Well, he's like, I promise not to use it. And he's like, actually, let me rephrase that. I promise not to use Trans Am until my Gunpla can handle it. Which makes Sarah happy. It says Gunpla status repairing, but it doesn't have a timer on it. Which would, again, give us some more, like, stakes. Is the damage to it fixable in an hour? Does that mean he won't be able to use it for an hour if he's playing that consistently? And it allows for the cool thing that, again, only Gundam Build Fighters did this, and then they decided they were tired of it, where they had a backup Gunpla for if their main one was going to be out for too long. And I really feel like this show would benefit from that. Well, stakes always yeah. make things better. <laughs> it's like, I feel like stakes are the biggest problem with this show. Honestly, at the end of the day, the characters, specifically the main two we're staring at right here, are really, really weak. And that might be a bigger problem, but it's between the two. You can make weak characters work if your story is strong enough, but that is difficult to do with weak characters because characters are mm -hmm. what drive the story. So they're 
walk out. They kind of walk out, and then we see them get suddenly surprised to say see Momika cosplaying as our favorite Luna Maria Hawk. I was going to say they walk out and see Luna. Uh, I mean, Momika. And then we see her as Relina doing a full Napoleon. And then I th- I think these are Harry Ord's pajamas, but I only think that because of the sunglasses. I don't know if we necessarily see his pajamas. I'm trying to think through turn A, and I don't remember it. Those are definitely his glasses. So I think that might be the case. I just don't remember that. It's probably only in like one or two episodes where he pops up wearing these pajamas. So searching for Harry Ord's pajamas, Gundam, the first picture that comes up is this picture of Momoko. (laughs) I was going to say, Zach, I haven't watched all of Turna yet. Is there an episode where we see Harry Ord's sex dungeon and he's just in this leisure suit? (laughs) (laughs) I do not believe so. Anyway, uh, and Nanami is like, hey, try on this Sochi outfit next. From the same series. And this is why she was so excited, is to have a cute girl to try on all the outfits. Apparently. And she's like, no, three is enough. You try something on. And she's like, yeah, but I work here. I can't, like, just do it. And then we see Yuki and Riku, like, judging them for this when, like, they hang out in, like, a world where everybody's always cosplaying their favorite Gundam characters all the time as an unlockable. And they just went and found flowers in a Gundam world. That was their afternoon. Their super fun (laughs) afternoon plan was go find some fake flowers in a Gundam world. But cosplaying is for dorks. I think it's more specifically, like, why is Nanami harassing Momoka and why isn't Momoka doing this? Because I get the feeling that, especially because, like, she's so on the, you guys should join the soccer club. It's like, what are you doing specifically? Like, why are you here? Yeah, I think I think it's mostly that. They, she would never be caught dead in a Gundam store. It's not they're judging her for necessarily judging her for doing this. It's confused what she's doing here at this moment in time. I do kind of love how the glasses just fall fall down on Momoka's face, though. And that's how the episode ends. So what did you guys think? Tyler, you can go first. I liked it better than the first episode, I think. There, there, there was a fight. I'll definitely agree with you there. I think Ogre is a much more interesting antagonist than his dumb brother. Though also they use his brother to help characterize him, like I said. Zach? On the one hand, I like the fact that they're bringing up Trans Am because that is a double-lot thing. And they're basically limiting it for the time being. Like, this is why he's not going to be able to use this in every fight, necessarily. But at the same time, Riku still doesn't really have a personality. Yugi still doesn't really have a personality. Sarah is still about as likable as a block of wood, and they haven't explained most of the important things and we're still lacking stakes yeah i pretty much agree with you on all of that do you have a high point tyler i'm actually gonna say the really nice character interaction where yuki way overcomplicates the trans am system and then riku explains it and then sarah still thanks yuki for his terrible explanation i i i think that was probably the only good character bit for them zach that bit of physical comedy when riku drops the two of them yeah, that's pretty good, actually. I guess I'll go with Momoka and cosplay, because <laughs> I don't want to judge that. What do you have as a low point, Tyler? Man, I guess just how long they spend on exposition for this game that doesn't exist, and we don't actually really care about any of the features that they talked about. Again, this game is for babies' babies who have maybe never played an MMO, so I kind of understand wanting to explain friends lists, but man, does that scene take forever. Zach? I was actually going to call specifically that scene out of... I. Why are you explaining how a friends list works? 
I, I was more doing like the overview of towns and like walking through fields and stuff. I'm like, this sure is cool and will probably have no bearing on the rest of the show. So you were you were specifically more of talking about like, hey, look at all these references. Yeah, the flyby references. That's pretty bad. So mine's though is going to be like Ogre and Riku's philosophical argument that doesn't make any sense and kind of anti-characterizes Riku in a weird way. And also they're not really arguing different things. Well, that's what Jeremy so, is kind yeah. of saying, is that they're having a philosophical argument where both sides are functionally on the same side of the philosophical argument. It's not even like one dude is ar- is uh, playing devil's advocate. I mean, to be fair, I'm not saying that's never happened before, but like, this is fiction. You can write it better. All right. Do we want to add something to our mobile suit list from this episode? The Ogre GNX is probably the thing that makes the most sense. Is that what his is called? Yep. Based on the GNX-4, which is the one from the movie. It looks much better. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I like the scimitars are actually pretty good for me. They're also kind of an underused uh, weapon type, in my opinion. The color scheme is also like, it should be garish, but it's not. Well, it's because it's a, it's a darker red. It's it's more of a maroon than a char damn near salmon. Exactly, yep. Yeah. But like the purple and gray, too. It just like I feel like it shouldn't work, but it does. I think it's because you've got the purple is basically highlighting the red. Mm-hmm. So another Gundam with two swords is the Sandrock that are kind of similar swords. I honestly think I like the GNX Ogre more than the Sandrock. I think I do too. Especially with all the cool kicks it was doing this episode. And like one of my problems with the Sandrock is it has no ranged weapons. And that's true of this too. But this is for a video game and a, built by a guy who's all about the honor and stuff. It, it's funny that... In this case, you're the one who's arguing on the side of the functionality against the Sandrock, because that's usually my thing. Another heavy melee Gundam is the Sword Impulse, a little above it, which also has two swords. I actually think I like the Sword Impulse slightly more. Oh, I definitely like this Ogre GNX a hell of a lot more with the Sword Impulse, but also we know my feelings on the Impulse in general. Tyler? So I was actually going to say the Ogre, I think, just based on the color scheme. It does have a very strong color scheme. Yeah, the mostly red with just a few gold highlights and the massive gold scimitars really doing it for me. So the next melee sort of suit we have on the list is quite a bit higher. It's the sword strike. And I definitely prefer the sword strike. I think I agree. Plus, one massive ass sword is pretty cool. I really like this particular one, but I think I agree. I think I prefer the sword strike. I try not to bring up the guest mechs on our list too much. But, like, this seems like the right thing to compare it to. Like, they're visually similar in my head, and I want to see if, when I say it, if you guys agree or not. How do we think it compares to the Gawain from Code Geass? I guess I can see where you're coming from. They're kind of, like, similarly shaped, and their heads are kind of similar. I think I like the Gawain the most. I like the fact that the Gawain is a two-seater. It's also got the, like, vaguely Anubis look, and it's... Yeah, I really like that. And it's black and gold, which is pretty good. My instinct is the Gawain is better, too. I just, I'm looking at it and, like, nothing really left out, but I'm like, those kind of look similar to me. Yeah, I think I gotta go with the Gawain, because that just looks rad as hell to me. Not a melee Gundam at all, but it does have two swords. How do we think it compares to the Savior? I'm the Savior fan among us, so I prefer that. I think I like this one more than the Savior, personally. Like, they got a similar-esque color scheme to it, but I feel like this one, like, even though it's riffing off of an existing mobile suit, the red and purple with the gold highlighting on them, I think that's a much stronger color scheme overall, and I also like the fact that it's a lot beefier than the Savior is. Which is kind of what's working against it in my head. What's your opinion, Tyler? 
I'm kind of mixed on this one. The giant-ass scimitars are really fun. That said, the savior actually makes really good use of its transformation, so... Oh, right, the transformation. I hate the transformation. Yeah, and I knew that would be uh, a point against it for Zack, so... (laughs) I think I'm probably gonna have to give it to the savior. I feel like it's... I like it just slightly better, but... Ah, I don't know. I'm really torn on this. I actually kind of like the visor on the ogre, too, so... But I think I'm still going to say the Savior. Right below the Savior, a ranged heavy suit, we have the Calamity Gundam. I think I like the Calamity slightly more just because I like the traditional Gundamness of it more, but they both kind of have the same bulk. Yeah, and I actually really like the color scheme on the Calamity. That said, I really am not a huge fan of its loadout. I like the big heavy cannons. I like the artillery feel to the Calamity, whereas like I really do like the appearance of the GNX here, I, but I like the fact that the Calamity seems to have a role. Like, it has a place in the story and the universe it exists in. And even on the team it's in, right? Yeah. Hey, Tyler, not to go on too much of a tangent, but because of what you said about the Calamity, could you go ahead and Google the Sword Calamity and tell me what you think while we continue to talk about this? <laughs> oh, jeez, the Sword oh, okay. Calamity. <laughs> I prefer the Calamity. That's definitely where I'm coming down on it. It sounds like we think we're in about the right area. Man, I kind of dig this, actually. When you hear it, it sounds like that shouldn't work, and then you see it. And it's pretty good. It's got two giant-ass swords. It's got some, like, calf daggers. I like the color scheme, which is, like, just orange and yellow. It's surprisingly good. But we're not ranking that right now. No. Uh, anyway, what, what are we comparing the ogre to now? Are we saying below the Calamity? I think so. Okay. Right below it is the Murasame, which also feels right to me. I love the Murasame, so I would put it one lower than that myself. But what do you guys think? I'm not a big fan of the Murasame, largely because of that transformation thing. It's not a bad design, but if I had to pick one, I'd take the GNX. Yeah, I'm just looking between them, and I think I agree. I, I'd probably put the ogre above it. Waltfeld's custom Murasame, though, that's pretty good. Would be a hard sell, yeah, because <laughs> like I really like the gold. Apparently, I just really like gold on mobile suits, but I think the standard Murasame is not quite as good as the ogre for me. So the ogre GNX will go at number nineteen above the Murasame and below the Calamity Gundam, and now we have to scroll the fuck up because <laughs> we are adding something from Gundam Wing from It's a Gundam, and Kevin suggests the order in which we add those. And next up, we have the Tall Geese. Oh, the oh. Tall Geese. It would be the no contest winner for the best mobile suit in Gundam Wing if it didn't have two sequels. This is the original Tall Geese, right? Yep, this is just the Tall Geese. Better than the Wing Gundam, right? Yeah, the, the stupid Spartan helmet and the shield. Oh, man, I love the Tall Geese. And the way it can carry two guns. Oh, that said... I actually don't like the Tall Geese as much as I like the Destiny Zakus. And right above the Wing Gundam, we have the Zaku Phantom. What do you guys think of that comparison? Uh, this is Ray's, right? I like the Zaku Phantom. Like, I love the shield. I love its big Dobergun and the Spartan helmet aesthetic. But man, those Zakus just look so cool. I, yeah, I feel like the Zaku is actually almost the exact same design as the Tall Geese in a weird way. Just taken to, like, in a different direction. They both have the, like, ridiculous head spike. They're both kind of blocky through the shoulders. And they're both sequels to the original Zaku design, right? Yeah. If we're getting down to it. I think I agree with Zach, though, that I like the Phantom better. So the Tall Geese just barely misses out on the top ten. Going at number eleven, above the wing, and below the Zaku. Again, those Zakus are hard to overcome. The Zakus are basically a gatekeeper there. Yeah. If they weren't so awesome, <laughs> they're just really good designs. Alrighty then. 
That about does it for this episode, I think. Join us next week when we will be watching episode three, The Protector, which is, like I said up front, an episode I'm actually kind of excited to talk about, which feels weird. In this show that you don't like? Yeah. It might be the last good episode. So, Tyler, is this Gundam or is this Isekai? Still Isekai? Pretty sure it's still Isekai. Zach, Gundam or Isekai? I don't know. I'm pretty sure this is still Gundam. <laughs> All right. We are still split, so we will have to dive in again next week. Bye. Bye.